this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we get ready for week two of the NFL season. And the man in the headlines right now is the same man that's been in the headlines all summer long, Antonio Brown. And we have the wide receiver who followed the same path that Antonio Brown has going from Oakland to New England before he revived his career with 23 touchdown catches on the way to a Hall of Fame career for the Patriots. Randy Moss joins us to talk about what Antonio Brown is going through as he gets ready to play his first game for the Patriots Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And then we'll be joined by my friend, my colleague, Evan Kaplan, who gives us an analytical and insightful look at the storylines leading in to Week 2. And then we'll be joined by the broadcasting legend, Roy Firestone, who has a new book coming out, That's What I'm Talking About, with a forward by Bill Walton. But first, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, Randy Moss. We now bring in my friend, my colleague, Randy Moss, the Hall of Fame wide receiver. And Randy, obviously everybody is drawing the comparison between you and Antonio Brown. The Oakland Raiders traded you to the New England Patriots in April 2007. After your stint there in Oakland, the Raiders cut Antonio Brown. He winds up in Oakland. Do you see the same parallels that other people are invoking? No, I think it's just more of the, I think people is just, you know, trying to make a reference. But when you look at, um, you know, how I got traded there, he got there. They're not looking at, you know, why I got traded there, how or how or why he got traded to New England. I think it's just more of the trade, the big name, the big play uh, ability and what, actually happened when I got to New England. So it was kind of like, could this, you know, happen all over again? So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've been saying for the last uh, few days that, you know, he he just has to really understand really what's at stake and just going going in there and just staying focused, you know, Adam, and, and, and really get back to playing football. You know, just being on Sunday countdown with uh, Teddy Bruschi the other day, you know, he made a great point talking about Josh Gordon being there and needing to walk a, you know, a thin line and, and, and trying to remain focused so he can just finish finish his career on a high note. So I think it's just more, you know, now that there's a, a bigger target, a bigger microscope in, in New England, like I said, it's just time for, for all the antics to just, you know, you know, hush up, put up or shut up, and let's play some football. You know, it's Randy, we're talking Tuesday afternoon, and Bill Belichick held a conference call with reporters this morning in which he was asked about Antonio Brown for the first time. And someone asked him, basically, what made him confident that Antonio Brown won't be a disruption like he was at times in Oakland and Pittsburgh? And this is what Bill Belichick said, and I quote, It's the, th- it's the same thing you said about Randy Moss when we brought him in. So clearly he's heard that before, and he watched you go on to catch 23 touchdown passes. Have you stopped to think that maybe the way you approached that year and the results you produced might have influenced Bill Belichick and allowed him to go make this move? Yes, I mean, it's very accurate and uh, very accurate to say. I think that when you look at, like I said, at the start, when you look at the potential of what could possibly happen, I mean, I had fun in 07. I mean, I know the, the team did, the organization, the coaches did, Bill did. I know everybody had fun. So 
it's kind of like with all the success that they're having, I mean, hey, why not go at it? But like I said, it's just more of a lot of things, you know, that needs to happen. And I think it just starts with Antonio Brown just needing to buy in and not really, really, I don't really think it's more of him, you know, trying to act or be a certain way. It's be uh, the, the only way to be is to be a professional and let's play some football. So there's no, there's no in between, there's no in between or anything uh, or any way to get around that. He just needs to understand, man, you're up there with the Patriots. You know, really can't get no bigger than that. Now let's play some football. And I think Bill's just looking at the potential of what could possibly be. And there's a lot of people that don't like the decision. Decision. There's a lot of people angry about the decision. You know, I just think that it was just it was just too much of a soap opera, knowing that the season was about to start. So, like I say, you're going to hear me say time and time again. Now it's week going into week two. Let's just get to playing some football, man. The antics is the antics. You see that the, you know, the Oakland Raiders was able to pull one, uh, pull their first victory off with 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 everything, with all the cards stacked up against them. So, like I said, uh, Adam, it's just it's week two, man. Let's play some football. You know, you bring up the antics, Randy, and this may be accidental, it may be not, but we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, like I said, roughly two thirty Eastern, and as of this time right now, and who knows, it could change in a moment. Antonio Brown, since he was traded to New England, hasn't posted anything on social media. Not on Instagram, not on Twitter, nothing on Snapchat, nothing. There's no in, no Antonio Brown sounding off the way he did in Oakland, asking for a trade, posting a video of the conversation that he wiretapped with Gruden. Do you think Bill would have said to him, hey, we don't want you on there, or that he wised up, or do you think it's coincidental that we haven't heard from Antonio on social media? No, I think that the man, the 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 man that I know, and uh, Bill Belichick, and a little bit that I knew do know about Antonio Brown or uh, of him. I just think it's just more of the talk of just sitting sitting the man down and just, hey man, we're here to play football. And Bill's not big into social media. Big Bill's not big into all the rah rah stuff. He just wants to play football, and that's why I said you're up there. You know, with the New England Patriots, you're up there with Bill Belichick. Tom's throwing you the ball. You're up there with a high, potent offense without you. So adding you is just going to, you know, hype things up a little bit more. So, like I said, I think that Bill sees what could, what what could possibly happen, and I think that um, with Gronkowski gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't be surprised if you see Grunk out here trying to do a little couple push-ups and run a couple laps and get his body lubed up or something. Because, uh, I mean, if if things go right, Adam, I mean, like I say, I'm not a a person that loves to dwell on the past because I I, I know this game could be so stressful and and, and can break a lot of people down at times. But I think that when you look at, at, at this and if it goes the way that Bill Belichick wants it to go, man, this could be something fun. It you can meant- really be fun, regardless of how regardless of how it happened. Like I say, let's get back to playing some football. I think week one, you know, everybody had a blast. Week one, it was yeah. it was enjoy. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed being an analyst. And uh, like I said, let's just move on to week two and let's play some football. Well, you mentioned the fact that Gronk is probably getting in shape. Do you think signing Antonio Brown? makes it more likely that Gronk will return at some point later this season or next year or whenever? Well, you, I, I, I'm just a tight. I, I just listen to Gronk's, you know, j- just his press, 
uh, you know, his con- press conferences and some of the things he's he said over the off season about his body needing to heal and you know just being able to me being a tall wide receiver and me and Grunk are tall. I stay on the outside and he's in the inside, so I I, I can only feel what he's talking about about what type of physical pain he was feeling through most out of his career. Now he's had time, you know, to heal up mentally, mentally and physically. You know, you going out there where Gronkowski was the guy that shifted the the defense. He was the guy that was fighting through two and three guys before getting up to the safety. And now, like I say, if this thing goes right, you got Antonio Brown, you got Edelman, Dorsett's out here playing, uh, Gordon's back. If this thing goes right, I mean, why not come back and have some fun, Grunk? You, you, you still, you, you, Grunk is still a, 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 a viable threat on that on that field. So why not put him out there? Why not come back? Why not Randy Moss come back? Nah, Randy Moss is hurting, man. <laughs> Randy Moss is hurting. Hey, funny story, man. I did a commercial the other day, man, for yep. for Verizon yep. uh, Wireless, and I was in the um, you know in the stadium in Minnesota, and I was up here trying to beat their um, beat a time their download of five G network. Yep. And Adam, I I put a little strain on my quad, so I said, "Man, I'm getting too old, man, to be out here trying to run a forty time up here against a stopwatch." So, like I said, man, I'm out here just love being at that desk, man, doing what I do. Next time, you got to include me in that Verizon five G commercial, there, Randy. I want to do that with you the next time. Speak to somebody, make that happen, my friend. Come on. Hey, man, I know you got a lot of listeners out there, man. So, hey, I love to do it, man. It was fun doing it, though. But, hey, some way, somehow, man, you got to get on a commercial or something, man. And I think it would be fun. I, You know, I would have loved to have done that. I actually wanted to do a commercial when Charles worked with us. I wanted to have an uh-huh. ESPN Sports Center commercial with Charles, Desmond, and me, three Michigan men. Have Charles. You go to Charles first. He's looking at his Heisman Trophy. You have Desmond, he's looking at his Heisman Trophy, and then you go to me, looking at my best attendance, never missed a day of school from high school uh, trophy. I thought that would have been a good Sports Center commercial, but they never went for that, the three Michigan men. So if, you know, if they want to bring back Charles and do that, I'm always open to doing that. Now, you mentioned Antonio Brown, your relationship with him. You know him a little bit. Did he, since the time he arrived in New England, reach out to you, or would you reach out to him? Has there been any contact between the two of you, being that Bill Belichick himself compared the two situations because I would think there's a lot that he could learn from listening to you. Everything that I've, I've I've said for mostly for the most part, you know, that's what me and Antonio Brown has been talking and, and, and texting about. I mean, I, I felt not anything in Oakland that we even talked about. I reached out. I think I reached out to Antonio Brown maybe for maybe like a day or two. I think a day or two before he got traded to New England. And it was crazy because um, uh, he was on my mind, and I texted him, and he texted me back. I think it was something about they find him, you know, 200 thousand dollars and he wanted out of Oakland or something. So I just texted him, or I think it was the day before, or something, and he was in a meeting. And I and I told him, you know, hey man, stay focused. Get back in your meeting. We'll chat later. So we ended up chatting, and then all of this happened. He he hits me about going to New England, and it's the, some of the stuff you've heard me already yep. saying about 
staying focused and you know you're going up there with the with the Patriots defending Super Bowl champions and man you got to get there and focus understand what they're trying to do on that football field man and magic is going to happen so I don't know if he's focused I really don't because I, I really can't tell through text or through the short conversations we ha- we're, we're having but like I said we're 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 you know he seems you know like he he wants to come there and get it. So as I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. I don't know what the what what the future holds for him there, but it just seems through the text and the look like I say the short conversations. It seems like he wants to go somewhere and, and play some play some football. And I like I said just by I made a comment a couple weeks ago during preseason about do you want to be a Raider? And like I say, up through the antics and the helmet and not not defeat, but. Just all the back and forth between him and the organization and stuff. I just, I just, I, I, I've been out there before, and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, knocking the organization, but I think it's just when I, I got kind of like homesick, you know, being that far away, and just like I was just, just wanting to know that, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just it just went down the way it did, and like I said, I just wanted to reach out to him and just see like. Is this for real? Are you serious? And then all of a sudden he got traded to New England. So, like I said, I think he's I think he's focused. I think he wants it to work. You like you said, you haven't heard him on no social media. So is that him or is that Bill? I don't know. But if he was in Oakland, would we would we have heard from him already if he was still in Oakland? Yes. Probably so. So now he's in New England. So we'll see how it goes. Well, so you have been texting and talking with Antonio. That's smart of him because you're the guy that's basically blazed this path and shown how it can be done and show what needs to be done. And the last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go, Randy, is when you did get to New England, you were telling the story yesterday. We were in the meeting on air about the importance of the locker room position for you. Why was it important for you to be next to Tom Brady in the locker room? I mean, first of all, my position that I play and um and then secondly i mean he's the quarterback i mean that's the that's the the guy you got to have the relationship on the field no matter if you're the second the third or fourth wide receiver so um with all the the baggage and all the the criticism that was coming behind uh me from Oakland you know such as you know we're we're sitting there talking about the Antonio Brown i just wanted to do it for myself. I wanted to be, you know, get back to playing football because just how I felt, like I said, I was just feeling emotionally just scarred. And it's just a lot of happened. Nothing um, similar or anything that what was going on with AB there. It was just a lot going on there that I just wanted to move on and then being able to have the success. I wanted to get in there and um, because I knew what type of offense they ran. I've, I've talked to a few guys um, about how they practice there, you know, how they practice as far as receivers, seven on seven, all that little stuff. And like I said, uh, I mean, Bill knows this. I think the, the the teams that I play with up there knows this. I just wanted to be a part of the team, man, where they held everybody accountable and going out here and playing football. So like I said, if he is focused, Adam, and can go out there and just put all that aside and, and, and get to doing what he wants, to, what he loves to do, what we know him for. Man, let's get to play some football. And that's, like I said, that's, that's what I want to want to talk about. If, if, if anything other than that, I don't know what the future holds for him there. 
Randy, I appreciate taking some time to give us some insight on what Antonio Brown might be dealing with, what you dealt with. We'll look forward to seeing you Sunday in Bristol and then again Monday for our Monday night game, Cleveland and the Jets. And thank you for the time today, Randy. All right, my man. I see you. Thanks. There's the Hall of Fame wide receiver, Randy Moss. Next up, ESPN analytics statistical guru, Evan Kaplan. But first, a word from Exxon. Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Cap hit. There we go. We haven't heard that music in a long time. We welcome back our friend, our colleague, Evan Kaplan, who brings a weekly, insightful, analytical, numerical look at the upcoming week's matchups. And Evan, we are on to week two. Before we get started there, is there anything that just jumped out to you in week one that demanded your attention? Well, Adam, it's uh, great to be back with you for another year. And and certainly some of the incredible quarterback performances, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott putting up perfect passer rating. I mean, they were their performances were off the charts. And then, look, how can you not talk about the Patriots from week one, defending Super Bowl champions to be that dominant, and now they add Antonio Brown. Incredible. Which leads us to our first topic of the day as we get ready for week two, Antonio Brown's debut for the Patriots in Miami against the Dolphins. What do you make of that? Well, look, we know he has been by almost any measure, the best receiver in the NFL over the last six years. Receptions, yards, touchdowns, he's first in all of them. And when he and Tom Brady take the field together, it will be the first time in NFL history that a quarterback and wide receiver teammates have combined for 20 Pro Bowls in their career. Look, we have had you go through in NFL history, Adam, the incredible quarterback-wide receiver combos. Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Jerry Rice and Steve Young. Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and Peyton Manning. Randy Moss and Tom Brady. No two wide receiver quarterback teammates have ever combined for as many Pro Bowls as these two. And I mean, that it, that kind of puts in perspective this duo that we'll see on the field in Miami. It's uh, going to be unbelievable. And remember last year, what happened when the Patriots went down there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing. Look, we, look, we saw the Dolphins in week one. The, the Ravens were quite impressive, but. The Tom Brady and the Patriots are one in five in their last six yeah. games in Miami. It wasn't just last year. Certainly the Miami miracle will be fresh in everyone's minds. We'll see that everywhere this week. But, uh, if you go back through the, their previous six matchups in Miami, one in five, which, which you don't see anywhere, the Patriots struggle like that. Well, you know, it's interesting as we sit and watch the games in the war room each week, Evan, mm-hmm. sitting with Rex Ryan, he says yep. that the toughest place to play in the league Especially early in the year is Miami. You yeah, never he, think that, right? He's 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 talked about the sun beating down on the visitors' sideline in Miami, just the way it's situated, and it feels like, regardless of what the actual temperature is, it feels like you're playing in 100 degree heat every time down there. One o'clock start early, yep. uh, so well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think you mentioned something about the stadium lulling you to sleep, honestly, right. and then the team just comes out and beats you. And there we have New England's 1-5 record in its past six games in Miami, which I'm sure Bill Belichick has mentioned to his team more than once sure. this upcoming week. All right, one of the other quarterbacks you mentioned before as one of the guys who stood out in week one was Lamar Jackson, who proudly pointed out after the opening game win against the Miami Dolphins that he's it wasn't, bad, it wasn't a bad performance for a running back. 
What can <laughs> Lamar Jackson do for an encore, Evan? Well, look, five touchdown passes in week one, a career high. And just to put that in perspective, based on what he did throwing the ball last year, they head back to Baltimore for their week two game against the Cardinals. He's only thrown four touchdown passes at home in his career. <laughs> in five starts, plus a few games coming in um, in back of Joe Flacco. He's only thrown four at home in his career. He threw five in one game in Miami. So as we project ahead, it, one thing I thought of, what's the most touchdown passes by any player in their team's first two games of the season? That You don't have to go far. Patrick Mahomes last year threw yeah. 10 in their first two games. He went four in week one, six in week two at the Steelers. So Lamar would have to throw another five um, to match that. And an interesting matchup with him and Kyler Murray this week in Baltimore. Great matchup. And listen, it's a secondary, I think, missing Patrick Peterson that's ripe to be beat. And so... This is a favorable matchup for Lamar Jackson, but to think that he's going to throw five again, if he does that, man, we're going to be talking about him the way we started talking about Mahomes last year. Absolutely. I don't think we can expect that, but yeah, an interesting, uh, another kind of secondary, like you said, that that he can take advantage of in their home opener. Now, Dak Prescott was another quarterback that jumped out to a torrid start last week, played exceptionally well against the New York Giants, but maybe that shouldn't be so surprising. And this week, the Cowboys play the Redskins. What do we make of Dak's divisional dominance? Look, the easiest way to make the playoffs in the NFL is to win the division. The easiest way to win your division is to win your divisional games. And and the Cowboys have done that as well as any team in the NFL since the start of 2017. And you look at Dak's last five divisional games, 14 touchdown passes, two interceptions, completing 72% of his passes, the Cowboys are on 11 and 2 against the NFC East since the start of 2017. That's the best mark for any NFC team. The only team better in the NFL is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So look, the Cowboys, they start with two divisional games. They look very impressive against the Giants. You start with two divisional wins, you're on the right track to win that NFC East. Yeah, somehow I think everybody expects that it's going to come down to Dallas and Philadelphia. It won't be a surprise if it does again. This season, and another great matchup this upcoming weekend. I think probably the most enticing matchup of the weekend. The mm-hmm. Saints travel to L.A. to meet the Rams, and Monday night, being in the Superdome, the one thing that stood out to me, Evan, was the number of Saints fans wearing referee jerseys. That was incredible, and official and, jerseys. And to see it, I mean, you saw it throughout countdown before the game. You saw it throughout the game. It was. It was something that we I don't I don't know that we expected that to happen, did we? No, I, I certainly did not, and I was taken aback by all the jerseys. So I guess I would ask you, will there still be a focus on the missed pass interference call from last season's NFC championship game as these two teams meet again? Yeah, I think look, it you're gonna see it a hundred more times this week, uh regardless of the fact that the game is at the LA Coliseum as opposed to in New Orleans. We have actually a feature on Sunday countdown about uh Nikel Roby Coleman, who mm. was involved in that pass interference play should be an interesting look at his career outside of just the play. Um, so we've got that Sunday morning. But look, these teams, as we try and eventually move past the pass interference call and to this season, look, these are the two teams that have the best chance, at least on paper, to win the NFC. You look back over the last two-plus seasons since the start of the t- 2017 season, they have identical 27-10 and 10 records, including the playoffs. These teams, according to our football power index, have the two best chances to win the NFC. So while the talk all week will be about the pass interference, eventually when they get on the field and they play the game, Mm -hmm. look, this could be a game, Adam. We always try to project ahead. We're sitting here three months from now in December. This could be a game that we look back at and say, 
the winner of that game could end up deciding home field in the NFC. You know, so so you put that in perspective with everything that goes on with the missed pass interference call. Very interesting game. Already the fifth, fifth career matchup between Jared Goff and Drew Brees, which is a little surprising. That's two, amazing. Two quarterbacks from not from the same division. It's only it's only Goff's fourth year, uh, but including the playoffs, they met twice last year. This will be their fifth matchup already. They split the the first four, so uh, that, that's one I'm looking forward to late Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it should be a great matchup. Should be a great week too. We're looking forward to having you back all season long, Evan, as you did last year. You'll be joining us again this year. We thank you for the statistical breakdown, the analytical look, the insight into some of these matchups. Thanks for all you do, and let's have a great year. Thanks a lot, Adam. Looking forward to it. There's the ESPN statistics maven Evan Kaplan. Next up. Former ESPN interviewer, current corporate speaker, and author, Roy Firestone. But first a word from Vivid Seats. Football fans, you know me for bringing you the latest news from around the league. Speaking of which, recently received a tip. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans 10% off all football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to VividSeats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with its 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to VividSeats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. And now bringing in one of the greats from ESPN, one of the men who helped build it, construct it, and somebody who I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for, man who's got a new book out. Uh, man who's a comedian, man who's an unbelievable interviewer. Did I give you enough accolades there, Roy Firestone? I love it. Keep going. I'm not stopping you here, Adam. What else should I say? I mean, you tell me. What else should I say to introduce you? <laughs> well, that's enough. But first of all, it's a pleasure to ha- to be on your show. This is Roy Firestone, for those who haven't, haven't figured it out who it is so far. What are you doing today? What are you doing today well, other than this There's a lot, of, this a lot of things that I do. First of all, uh, one of the things I have been doing, I wrote, I've written three books. Uh, I've also recorded a musical CD with a band called Hiroshima, a fusion jazz band. I'm a musician. Wow. And so I've been re- in that world. But the other thing is I've also been a corporate speaker for parts of 30 years. And I perform all over America. As we speak, I'm getting ready to perform at a Caesars, Caesars Palace property in Baltimore. Our guest mm-hmm. is going to be a very special guest, Brooks Robinson, the legend is going to be in the audience of doing my full show. I do an entire comedy, music, uh, storytelling show that I use for corporations called Up Close Live. I've also interviewed a lot of major sports celebrities uh, on stage at places like Caesars Palace. We just did something with Terry Bradshaw, Tony LaRusso in front of 2,000 folks. So I do a lot of that. And I do some radio here and there, and I, I, I just love my life. I, everything is terrific. I, I still love interviewing. I had two shows here in Los Angeles, one called L.A. Tonight, uh, that we did with musicians mostly. I interviewed mostly mu- musical people. Yep. Uh, and, and then I did a show called Face to Face for Mark Cuban's network, uh, HDNet. So I've been pretty busy. Uh, you know, I really enjoy what I do, and I, I just wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. From all those years that you did – up close live for ESPN, all the great interviews that you did. Is there one that stands out to you, Roy? Oh, but, but I, I, Adam, if you get me going with this, I, I will take it. <laughs> I'll take over, but I'll <laughs> tell you a couple of quick stories. Will Chamberlain was one of the very first guests we ever had in, the, in this series. And I walk up to Will Chamberlain one day in Santa Monica, California, and this is a true story, Adam. Yeah. He's got a white Rolls Royce convertible. The top is down. He's got two Great Dane Dalmatian dogs 
the size of small horses in the back seat. In the front seat, you know, he's got one of his girlfriends, one of his thousands, who knows. But I walk up to the Wilt, and I had never met him before, driver's side of the car. And he is wearing, and I'm not exaggerating, a silk and silver purple jumpsuit uh, with a burgundy beret, a lemon-lined fez feather, wraparound tangerine sunglasses. He's got an African walking stick. He's got no shoes. They are propped up against the dashboard. He's having a drink. And he is seven, at this point, probably seven foot one, about maybe 330 pounds. So I walk up to Wilt and I say, Wilt, I've always wanted to have you on the show. I do a show called Up Close. I'd like, he, he goes, I know who you are. I said, well, Wilt, would, would you be able to do the show? He says, Roy Firestone, I would love to do your show, but you have to understand I'm trying to keep a low profile. So that was, that was his moment with all that going on, with the dogs and the clothes and everything. That was, <laughs> that was Wilt Chamberlain. But I had so many things. You know, I had, I'll tell you one of my all-time favorite people say, who's your favorite guest? But I think Barkley would be high up on my list with Jimmy Balvano. And I once had interviewed Olajuwon and Barkley together, Hakeem Olajuwon wow. and Charlie. It's in the book. This is in the book. And I said, I'm going to do something. And you probably have done this too, Adam, when you have interviewed people. Let's do something offbeat to start things off and maybe break the ice. So I said, Hakeem and Charles, do you believe you're going to heaven? So Olajuwon, who's very religious, as you know, Adam, he's speaking with this beautiful, lilting Nigerian voice from Lagos, Nigeria. He goes, well, I believe in my service to God is pure and consistent, and it comes from the soul and the character of my community and my service to God. Yes, I believe I will go to heaven. Thank you so very much. That's very nicely said, Hakeem. I said, how about you, Charles? Are you going to heaven? He said, I don't know, but it's definitely going to be a close vote. So uh, (laughs) I've had so many experiences. I love them all. I I would say Wilt would be high on my list. Barkley would be high on the list. Jimmy V. Uh, You know who else was great was Howie. Howie Long, as you know, was a terrific interview. He's funnier than he is on Fox, and, and his son is an amazing. He's got a chapter in my book, The Longs, who I've known since since Chris was five years old and tackled me on the set of Up Close. Wow. And he almost broke my ribs one day. That's how long I've known Chris Long. But, you know, we have a whole eclectic bunch of things on the, uh, in this book. We talk about Shaq and Kobe and Mike Tyson and Michael Irvin, Keith Jackson, uh, Dean Smith. I've got a chapter that you will not believe. Ali, a lot about Ali and Howard Cosell, Lyle Alzado, uh, Walton, Gail Stairs, just so many, so many pieces. And it really was a parade, Adam, for me to, to have done all, I did 5,000 interviews and, you know, most all of them had something in them that was a takeaway for me. That's an expression these days that people use, but it really was, there was a, a something of their character that was revealed. See, I have never been an inside guy like yourself. I have never been a you know, so-and-so's got a groin pull. He might miss the Bengals, uh, you know, Broncos game. I've never been that guy. I've only been more interested, and I've never made any, you know, uh, apologies for it. But, you know, basically, I have a person who, who talks about the human heart and their upbringing and people's lives. And I think as much as people have talked about Roy makes him cry, I think we had more laughs on my show by far, by 10 times. Uh, we had so many funny people. Freddie Dreyer, who used to, of course, play for the Rams, ended up being the star of Hunter on NBC, one of the funniest people I've ever met. So I really enjoy the whole parade of what it is I did. And, you know, that's what this book is about. That's what I'm talking about. It's really about some of the behind-the-scenes stories. Well, you mentioned a whole chapter on the longs. 
What, yep. what, what is the takeaway on that chapter on the lungs? You know, here's one of the things that I hadn't considered, Adam. You know, everyone talks about Chris Long. You know, Chris is far more richly rewarded than Howie. Howie told me that in his first year and a half with the Raiders, you know, they didn't have guaranteed contracts. Yeah. And he was at, he was paying out money for members of his family in the Boston area, Charlestown, Massachusetts, that he came away. This is just hard to believe, but it's true. After taxes and after he helped out three or four and five members of his family, this is his rookie and first year with the Raiders. He made thirty two thousand dollars. It's astonishing. You know, Chris Long probably got that in meal money. But the, but the thing about Chris Long was. He always had to live in the shadow of his Hall of Fame father until he didn't, until he made uh, away from himself. And, of course, his brothers all played sports. Uh, uh, two of the brothers played on the field. One of them was an executive, I believe, with the Raiders, I think. But, but Chris Long is an amazing story, not just that he's outspoken and he's humanitarian and uh, developing waterworks in Nigeria and all these different countries and really invested in it for real. But he talked about his whole life being, and he loves his father. His father, he are very, very tight. But until he started to speak up about who he was and what kind of a person he was, um, Chris Long looked at his career as, I'll never be what my father was. Hmm. And, it, and yet, he was more, he was more decorated. He, he had more, bigger contracts. He won more rings. And if you think about it, in some ways, Chris Long might even be, potentially a Hall of Fame consideration like his dad, which would really be amazing. I, I don't know that he'll get there, but I was just struck with the fact that this was a family. They grew up, and, and people know they're from Charlottesville, and in the midst of the, the tragic happenings of, of a year and a half ago, um, they were very moved and very affected by it. The whole family was, and how his whole life has changed after the episode in Charlottesville. I'm not going to do too much politics on this show, but it, it was really powerful. But they're funny people, and they're, they're zany and, and, and carefree people. And in the case of, of, of Chris, and I, I, I know Kyle and Howie, I've known all the boys. Yep. But Chris is a unique guy because he is fairly, fairly fearless in everything he does. I mean, he, he's, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro numerous times. He's, he's, he's invests a lot of his time and effort and energy in his foundation, as, as I said, which rewards poverty-stricken nations in Africa. I mean, it's just a remarkable story. And Howie told me that in his mind, Chris is a kid. He loves all his boys, obviously. Diane and Chris are the parents. He said, but he, Chris is everybody, everything and everybody I couldn't be because I was afraid for my career. I was afraid if I spoke up or spoke wow. out. And, of course, Chris is a very outspoken yes. guy. I would lose my job. And it was fascinating to hear that from Howie. Because how he believes in a lot of things that Chris says, and even to this day keeps his mouth shut because he doesn't want to get political. You know, it's amazing. When you're saying all that, I was thinking about, I hadn't really processed how much pressure there would be to be Howie Long's son. And how Chris Long not only overcame that, but really established his own name, brand, Mm -hmm. and good. How much good he's done in the world and how much... He's raised awareness, and just incredible to think that he did that um, with, yes, he had an advantage at Howie was his dad, but he also had the disadvantage of having Howie as his dad. Uh, oh, oh no, no question about it. And here's the other thing. People may not know this. I've known Howie long. You know, Howie started on my show. 
before he was at Fox, way before that, when we schooled with the Raiders, he became a regular on my show. And I'd like to think, and how he would say it, but I'm not a person that likes to toot his horn, but I'd like to think I helped establish his career on television. But how he slept in a car for some of his life, how he was a homeless person. He was bounced around from family to family for much of his early youth. Uh, he felt neglected. He felt unwanted. He, was, he, he, he had a lot of disarray and dysfunction. And so when Chris Long, and you might remember this, Adam, decided that he, too, with his teammate uh, in, in St. Louis, wanted to live life for a yeah. week yeah. as a homeless person, yeah. um, it really struck Howie power, powerfully and poignantly because Howie lived that life for a brief period of time. I mean, there were times when Howie would tell me he didn't know where his next meal was going to be. He didn't know which family he would be with. And he was bounced back and forth all over the place. And I, I have to tell you, I felt that that was one of the most powerful pieces in this book because it really showed parallels. It almost reminded me a little bit uh, of a movie I just saw called Blinded by the Light, mm -hmm. the Springsteen movie yep. uh, about a kid who grows up with Springsteen on his mind and his father is, you know, very disapproving. But in, in, here's, why, here's why it's a parallel. Because... Chris Long, as his brother Kyle and Howie's had to do, had to get out from underneath Howie and yet at the same time take this, the very same qualities that make Howie made and continue to make Howie Long uniquely Howie Long and, and, and improve upon that and become their own person. And that's really what that movie was about. I just thought it was just an amazing experience. And as I said, I've known Chris since he was a little guy. He used to tackle me. He would he would ambush me and, and how he how he would have to get him off me when we walked to the set. He he almost broke my leg one time. He was probably five or six years old at the time. There's a lot of things in this book, and I, I'm just so proud of it. But mostly, it's an entertaining and breezy read, and it's a lot of fun for the folks. And if I could plug just one more time, I, if people want to go to my website royfirestone.com or go to Amazon, you could purchase it. And if you want me to sign it. Just go to my website, and I'll be happy to sign it for you, too. What is Roy Firestone's pitch when you're doing that those corporate speeches? Well, well, actually, all of the above, Adam. I, I, I perform, but I tell a lot of stories. But there's some uplifting stories, too. If you got one minute, I want to tell – maybe it'll take two Good. about Ali. I knew Muhammad Ali from the time I was about 15 years old. And he, we grew up on Miami Beach, Florida, where I was. And uh, I covered him from, from about 1972 on. And he, he got to know me. Um, but I finally got on the air in Miami around 1975. This is right after the thriller in Manila when Ali beat Joe Frazier in Manila, Philippines. So we're going to a nursing home in South Beach, Florida. And Ali walks into this nursing home. There's about 100 elderly folks. And he walks in. He goes, I'm the greatest. I'm the fastest. Can nobody whoop me? I'm the greatest of all time. Right? He starts with the Ali thing. Yeah. Now, there was no reaction at all because these people are in their 90s. They had no idea what the hell what this was about. Ali goes into another room. And he starts again. I'm so fast. I'm the what's, what's your name, the old man? And the old man was in a wheelchair. He didn't respond. Ali says it again. What's my name? You know who I am? No response. Now, Ali realized this man doesn't hear well. I, I was told later he was 98 years old. Had cataracts on his eyes. Couldn't hear. Couldn't see very well. Ali starts walking out of the room. This is a true story, Adam. Yeah. As he's walking out, I'm there with my camera. Crew. I see this old man, like his eyes, like a light bulb went off in his head. He sees Ali. He turns his wheelchair, and he speaks haltingly at first. He goes, hey. And Ali went, what? 
goes, hey. And Ali goes, what did you say? He goes, I know who you are. And Ali walks back. Now it gets quiet. Again. He goes, you know who I am? Who am I? And the old man goes, you're the greatest of all time. Can nobody whoop you? Can nobody beat you? You are the greatest because you're the champ, and I love you, champ. I waited my whole life to meet the champ, and now my dream come true. I'm 98 years old, and nobody is left in my family, but I got to meet the champ, and I love you. Now, I'm talking about everyone in the room is crying. I mean crying. Hmm. So Ali walks up to the old man, and he goes, you right, old man. Now I want you to tell everybody in the room, what is my name? Hmm. And the old man looked up and went, Joe Lewis, right? So <laughs> everybody goes nuts and laughing. But then something wonderful happened. As he said, Joe Lewis, Ali didn't correct him. He said something that I'll never forget. All the members of his entourage wanted to correct him. And Ali said, don't you ever correct an old man, a special old man who talks about a dream that he had to meet the champ. And I'm the champ. He said, if this man believed that the greatest of all time was Joe Lewis, he says, then tonight, my name is Joe Lewis. And I thought about that. I thought about what a wonderful moment that was. Because what he was doing was letting another human being have a moment of joy and pleasure, mm-hmm. even at his own you know, expense, if you will. Yeah. And then I thought about a quote from George Washington Carver. who said, how far you go in life depends upon your ability to be tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, tolerant with the, of the weak and the strong, and patient with those who strive, because someday in your life, you will have been all of those things yourself. And I thought about Ali late in his life when he was infirm and he was ill, and he was tender with the young as a, as a young man, compassionate with the aged as he, as he showed that night, tolerant of the weak and the strong, and patient with those who strive. What a great story that was, because that was Ali at its very best, and I got to see it, to use the expression, up close. Roy, tell us one more time. Tell the people where they can get your new book. Sure. Uh, my book is available at Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on Amazon outright where they'll print it for you and send it to you. Or if you want me to sign the book, go to RoyFirestone.com and just click books. I have to, All three of my books are up there. But if you want me to sign the new one, which is called That's What I'm Talking About, that's the best place to reach me. Well, that's what I'm talking about, Roy. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Lots of luck with the new book. It's an honor to get to speak to you, and thank you for all you did for ESPN as well. Thank you, Adam. You're a good, you're a good man and a tremendous reporter. Thanks again. And so there's the great Roy Firestone, who has a book out now, a new book that people can order online. That's what I'm talking about. It's his third book. They're all available at RoyFirestone.com. Special thanks to Evan Kaplan, for giving us a preview of some of the matchups and storylines surrounding Week 2. And a special thanks to our friend, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, Randy Moss, who's been in contact with Antonio Brown, because Antonio Brown should be leaning on what Randy Moss went through in his time going from Oakland to New England. Be sure to check out the Bill Barnwell podcast this week. He talks with guest Will Brinson. Remember to subscribe to the Adam Schefter podcast and the Bill Barnwell show, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you to the listener for listening to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back looking at week two and looking ahead to week three. Have a great week, everybody.